May 11th, 2023. Which we'll come to in just a moment. But if you recall, we finished the sugya yesterday, with, which left us a little bit uh, wondering. It didn't give us a conclusion. The question was, If a person didn't prepare their Eruv Tavshilim for Yom Tov in order to cook for Shabbat, and then they nonetheless go ahead and cook, not having much to depend on, certainly violating in doing the cooking, what's the status of the food afterwards? So the Gemara tried several proofs, several re'ayot, and the Gemara systematically knocked them down and said you can't bring proof from there, nor from there. And ultimately speaking, the Gemara left us wondering, so what's the halakha if a person were to be over u'bishel? Shohan Aruch and Siman Taf Kof Kaf Zayin, citing in turn from earlier poskim of some of the Rishonim, Rosh and others writes the following, Im avar b'mezid, if a person purposefully, which for all intents purposes is what we're talking about in our sugya, u'bishel kama kederot shelo lesorech yom tov, and on yom tov prepared several foods, not for yom tov, but of course for Shabbat, mutar le'ochlan b'shabbat o b'chol b'halachayas, in such a circumstance, you're allowed to eat them after yom tov. That's the halakha l'ma'aseh. It makes a lot. What's that? On Yom Tov, on Yom Tov. You cooked on Yom Tov in such a circumstance where you don't have a eruv tafshilin, it's mutar. Why would that be the halacha? Well, eruv tafshilin, as we're all familiar with, as we understand, is only rabbinic in nature. When we have a safek in halacha, an uncertainty in halacha, on a derabbanan, on a rabbinic issue, generally speaking, the principle is safek derabbanan lekula, we go lenient. And that's in turn the Pesach Halacha. There is one interesting uh, question in this context. Shohan Aruch wrote, Im avar b'mezid u'bishel. Makes a lot of sense. He did it purposefully. In Vramar b'moshe Yisrael, there are two words that he adds in. He says, oh b'shogeg, or accidentally. And the question is, what's that debate? What's that question about? Again, I'm on Yom Tov. I didn't prepare Eruv Tavshilin. And I purposefully cooked for Shabbat permitted to eat, shouldn't have cooked, but permitted to eat. What if I did it accidentally? Should we draw the line? Should we in any way say that shogeg is more stringent? Well, the fact that Shohan Aruch says bimezid designates for us, it's only when you did it purposefully. That's a fascinating thing. Why would you distinguish? We're all familiar with the reason, though. We discussed it yesterday, we discussed it the day beforehand. The vision and the, and the perspective of the hachamim in this context, in this situation, is, well, what's the takeaway going to be? What are you, what are others going to do in the future with regards to Eruv Tavshilin? If you did it purposefully, both you and the people around you who might hear about it are aware, you violated. You went against purposefully and defiantly Eruv Tavshilin. Oh, we're not going to make you not eat food now, but we're not certain per se, we're not nervous per se that in the future you're going to repeat this and you'll probably change your ways. Again, the Gemara distinguished, if you recall, between Mezid and Ha'arama. That's what Shohan Aruch, basing himself on Rashba, is distinguishing between Mezid and Shogeg. If it's Mezid, we assume we're not uprooting per se Eruv Tafshilim. If it's Shogeg, according to Shohan Aruch, basing himself on Rashba, you may have, maybe not purposefully, it's not Ha'arama, you did it accidentally, you may have inadvertently, but ultimately speaking, set forth a bad precedent in this context, maybe we should draw the line there. There's a mahluk between Shohan Aluch and Ramah on this specific issue.
I'll remind you, this is not going to be all that relevant with regards to our day-to-day or year-to-year observance of Eruv Tavshilin, because ultimately speaking, if a person forgot to do Eruv Tavshilin, he would depend and base himself on Rav Ha'ir, as we discussed in the Gemara earlier. If they cooked on purpose, isn't that the same as Eruv? No, the Eruv needs to be prepared before Yom Tov. Right, that's the whole sugya. You didn't prepare before Yom Tov, and you did it on Yom Tov. Right. Are we still only talking about it as Rosh Hashanah because all other days would be okay? You make it better. Additionally, uh, Jeffrey says, in addition to what I mentioned just a moment ago with regards to being somech on Rav Ha'ir, Jeffrey says you have to add another point to it. It's the top of Daf Yod Zayin Amud that a person can make a condition, provided that you're standing on day one, day one of Yom Tov. You can make a condition. If today is Yom Tov and tomorrow is Hall, so then I'll cook tomorrow and it's a weekday. It's two-day Yom Tov. One of the days is a weekday. If tomorrow you say as well, if yesterday was Yom Tov and te- if yesterday was Hall and today is Yom Tov, then I left my Eruv Tavshilin on what was Eruv Yom Tov. If you recall, Harambam wasn't so excited about doing that, right? Harambam said that Bisman Hazen, today's day and age, the Yom Tov Sheni is no longer a real suffix. We know exactly what to be, and nonetheless we keep it, so it's stronger, ironically, as a minhag avoteno biadeno, but yes, that could as well be added to the mix as good. Yom Tov Sheni Saturday, so you certainly can't do it. But um, by, by, by extension, by extension, as Jeffrey said, if you have Rosh Hashanah or you're already on the second day Yom Tov. Again, it's harsher than if you deliberately go against it. That's what you're going to try to tell us No, the deliberately going against is when you forgot. You're talking about what on Yom Tov. You're back to Shohan Aruch and Ramah. Back to the original conversation where you said that if you purposefully didn't do it. Shohan and yes. Ironically, according to Shohan if you purposefully on Yom Tov without an Eruv Tavshilin cook, it's more lenient with regards to eating it than if you accidentally. Ramah's claim is, how could that be? Shohan response would be, when you do it purposefully, you're not uprooting for others and for yourself. You do it accidentally, you didn't realize, you didn't realize you were doing the wrong thing. It sets the wrong precedence. It potentially uproots the Eruv Tavshilin. I get, I get your, your, your annoyance. Ramah's also annoyed with it. But again, ultimately speaking, we're not going to have much practical ramifications with regards to this issue or debate. All right, the Gemara now, uh, we're about uh, 20 lines from the bottom or so. Uh, second word on the line, Beit Shammai Omrim Tavshilin. If you recall in our Mishnah, we had the following Mahlok, and this brings us all the way back to the Mishnah and Daftet between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. What was the Mahlok? What was the dispute? They disputed when it comes to Eruv Tavshilin, how many cooked items are necessary to have prepared. Beit Shammai stated clearly two cooked items. Beit Hillel said one cooked item. And then the Mishnah continued and said, Vishavin, and everyone agrees that if you have a dag, if you have a uh, fish, which of course is cooked, and you have betza she'alav, and you smeared um, uh, egg over it, such a circumstance we consider that, even according to Beit Shammai, to be two tavshilin. That was the statement there in our Mishnah, parenthetically, and we'll see it in our Gemara, this debate coming up again. That example of, even according to Beit Shammai, who necessitate two tavshilin, two cooked items, if you have a fish, and you smeared uh, uh, egg onto it, it's considered two. It comes up in the context of Purim, comes up in the context, ironically, of Tisha Be'av as well, this sort of question. One cooked, one baked, or two cooked? Our Mishnah talked about two cooked or one cooked. 
The baked was a question in Tosafot over here. Mishnah is only talking about Eruv Tavshilin, right? Um, so the question is with regards to Mishloch Manot Ish Lere'ehu. The Gemara in Masechet Megillan Dachzayin talks about it being two manot. You have to send two foodstuffs, is the way we translate it, to another person. How do you define two foodstuffs? What would be the status of sending them fish which has smeared onto it egg? Would that be sufficient? Well, if Bet Shammai over here tells you you need to have two items and it's considered two by taking fish with the egg on it, Shouldn't that be appropriate for Mishloch Manot as well? What about the following situation? The meal right before Chabe'av is supposed to be a very simple meal. It's supposed to be Zechel HaMikdash, where uh, as minimal as we can be, you're supposed to only have one cooked item at it. Are you allowed to have fish that has egg on top of it? Same type of question. Interestingly, when it comes to Chabe'av, we're Mahmir, and when it comes to Purim, we're Mahmir as well. What do I mean by that? When it comes to Chabe'av, we say if you're going to have a fish, you shouldn't have eggs smeared onto it. Why not? Consider two cooked items. Look at Eruv Tavshilin. When it comes to Mishloch Manot, we're Mahmir as well. So who said you're comparing these Misvot one to the other? There's what Chamvad Yosef details in several places in his books. He says, when it comes to Mishloch Manot, you need to give a Manah Hashuvah. You need to give something that's significant. I send you fish and you say, oh, it's fantastic. Why do you only give me one item? What are you talking about? I spend time. I spread out the egg. And he said, this is one item, ultimately speaking. So it means that, interestingly, and we have find this in Halakha, the same type of concept in several places in Halakha, but it plays out differently. It plays out by Eruv Tavshilin for Bet Shammai, who are not all that relevant Halakha said to be considered two food items when it's the fish with the egg on top of it. When it comes to Mishlach Manot, it's considered one. When it comes to Eruv Chabe'av, it would be considered two as well, and you shouldn't do so. Anyway. So we're going to see in our Gemara one version with regards to Beit Hillel, but ultimately speaking, we don't know because Beit Hillel never committed themselves to needing to in our Mishnah. Okay, says the Gemara, Beit Shammai Omrim Shin. Certainly. Mishloch Manot, it needs to be two. The question is the definition of two. Would they define it by the Beit Shammai definition? We assume they would. Beit Shammai ultimately speaking on the stringent opinion over here. The Hidush of many of the Acharonim, not all, is it's not so. Beit Shammai Omrim Shenet Havshilin says the Gemara Matnitin. Our Mishnah Dela does not follow, it does not accord with Kihaitana, uh, with the following author of a Mishnah or Beraita, which means to say we have different presentations. You walk into the class and you say, I heard a class from um, the chief rabbi. And someone else says, but that interpretation that you heard from the chief rabbi is different than the class I heard from the chief rabbi. There's different versions as to what was said. So our Mishnah has one version, Bet and Bet as we discussed. Two according to Bet one according to Bet They agree, even Bet the fish with the egg on top of it, that it's okay. This version, which we'll read in the Beraita, is a different version, a different presentation, Torah oral tradition as to what actually took place. Ditanya, here's the Beraita. Amar Bishimon ben El Azan, Modim Al According to this version, Bishimon ben El Azar in the Beraita, even Bet necessitates two cooked items. That would mean that each of us would need to have 
not a baked and a cook, not one cooked, but two cooked items. You need to have uh, uh, two eggs or uh, fish and an egg or meat and an, whatever it is. You need to have two, even according to Beit Hillel, according to this version. What do they disagree about? Who said they disagree? Well, the version is that they disagree even in this version. They disagree specifically and only about that situation where you have a fish and the egg on top of it. Remember, in our Mishnah, the version was Becham, I say two, Betilel says one. But even Becham, I agrees that when you have the egg on top of the fish, that it would be considered two. Over here, Bechamai omrim shene tavshilim. Betilel omrim tavshilehad. According to Betilel, it's sufficient. It's considered a separate tavshil. According to Betchamai, you necessitate another tavshil, meaning translated as follows, that's Rashi's Girsan our Gemara, goes like this again. Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel both agree you need two cooked items. According to Bet Hilel, however, if you have fish and you smear on top of it uh, egg, it's considered two. You don't eat another one. According to Bet Shammai, no, 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 what do you mean? You only have one. Shenet Tavshilin, you need to add another one. Yeah, the, when, we went, sorry, when we went over this in the beginning, it was one cooked, the only question mark was, did you need the baked item? Because the version of our Mishnah of Bet Hilel is you only need one cooked item. This is a different version. According to this version, which we don't follow, so you're okay, but according to this version, even Bet Hilel needs two cooked items. That's the point. You come in, you heard the class from the chief rabbi there, he heard it there. You have different versions. What do you say? Okay, over there we could listen to the class, we could figure it out. Over here, it's an oral tradition. We have one version like this, another one. You're right. We've been stating throughout, as you said, that it's only Vishavim. No, 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 you're misreading it. I got gotcha. you. You're misreading it. The, the way, right, firstly, Tosafot changed the girsa, uh, so they have it, they flip the shine and the tafshilehad. But according to Rashi's interpretation of this girsa and the Gemara, when Bet Shammai says shine tafshilin, they're saying you need to, meaning add another one. When Bet, Sham, Bet Hilel say tafshilehad, they say you're finished, this is sufficient. So who's saying that? So the Bishni egg. But it's one, one or two dishes. says it's considered two, and therefore I can send you one, meaning just the fish with the egg, and not send, I can prepare just one, and it's sufficient because it's considered two. Whereas Bet Shammai says, you need to add another one. The original Mishnah is that according to Bet Hilel, you could just prepare fish, halas with any egg on top of it. You could just prepare an egg, you don't need fish. You need one. In this version, you need two, but there's a leniency with regards to the fish and the egg being sufficient. It says the Gemara Vishavin, even in this Beraita, they agree, both Bet Hilel and even Bet Shammai, Shim Pirper Besa Venatan Letochadag, if you took a uh, egg and you shredded it. You didn't smear it. You didn't place it on top and let it absorb. It actually, the betzah in this situation, it's like a hard-boiled egg, and you, as a result, you shredded it. So there's actual pieces inside of your fish. Or, sherise kaflutot venatan letochadag. Now she says kaflutot or karti, I think that's leek. You took a vegetable and you, uh, as well, sliced it or shredded it and put it inside of the fish. Is that one or two? Maybe it's again a machloket. Beti Lil might say two, but Bet Shammai would say it's only one. No, in such a situation, shehen shene tavshilin, shavin, everyone agrees that that would be considered two. What's the difference? Well, quite simple. When it came to smearing, smearing, it became absorbed. It became a part of the fish. When it comes to shredding, 
thing, it might be placed inside of the fish, might be placed side by side the fish, but ultimately speaking, it's two separate items. I can touch it and realize, I can see it and point to it and see that it's two separate items. What's the halakha al-ma'aseh? Alan, amarava hilcheta ketana didan. The halakha follows tana, the author of the Mishnah, didan, ours, meaning what we had two pages ago on daftetvav. Ve'aliba, and according to the opinion of... The Betilel of Betilel, which means to say, ultimately speaking, much of this conversation is not so relevant as well. We need one cooked item. Interestingly, as I said, there are, ironically, we learn laws potentially from here, from this Mishnah, this Beraita, to the Halachot of Purim, to the Halachot of Erev Chabeav. Not so much to Eruv Tavshilin, because it's not all that relevant to Eruv Tavshilin. All right, lastly, says the Gemara, Achalo. If you ate or lost your Eruv Tavshilin, we saw this in our Mishnah, you can't as a result say, well, I did prepare my Eruv Tavshilin. Remember we had an Eruv Tavshilin? Well, we're just continuing that. No, but you don't, you don't have anything in front of you. You don't have anything in front of you. You need at the very least a Kazait, as the Gemara interpreted our Mishnah, remaining in order to add on to it in your preparation of a Shabbat meal. Amara Baye Naktinan, Abaye says the Halakha is, we hold if a person began with his Isa, Isa's dough, he began baking, he's even in the kneading stage, and then it got eaten. I don't know who ate it at that stage, maybe a child or an animal or whatever it is. I don't know who's eating raw uh, dough. Uh, but ultimately speaking, it's eaten. Uh, it's eaten. Gomer, uh, you're allowed to finish. On What's that? On Yom Tov. We're not cooking on Shabbat. On Yom Tov for Shabbat, right? So what I had was, I, before, I, I now, on Yom Tov, I'm taking what I had begun, and I'm trying to continue, but I don't finish it. And what's the halakha in such a circumstance? It's now gone. I'm allowed to finish, says Rosh. This extends and this applies to cooked items as well. You began the actual cook. So I had my Eruv Tavshilin. Again, I had my Eruv Tavshilin. It's right over here. I begin, I said it wrong. That's why. Okay, no, it's not, it's not eaten by an animal or a child. Let, let me state, state it clearly. Redo. Okay, erase what I just said. I have my Eruv Tavshilin, a fully edible item on the left-hand side. I begin baking my dough on this side. As I'm baking, the child, my wife, myself, walk into the room and eat from the Eruv Tavshilin, which was fully cooked and fully prepared. Can I now finish the dough, which is here in front of me, in order to turn that into a challah? Can I now finish the dish, the chicken, the meat that I was preparing, in order to be a meal? That's what the statement here in the Gemara is. On Yom Tov, of course. Very good question. Hold that question for one second, for real. Uh, so again, the statement is, If you began the cooking for Shabbat on Yom Tov with an Eruv Tavshilin, but then the Eruv Tavshilin is eaten, Gomer, you're allowed to finish. Asks Nathan, okay, I get it. The Gemara told me very clearly I'm allowed to finish that dough, at the very least. I'm allowed to finish that dish. Can I finish the whole meal? My Eruv Tavshilin is gone. I began uh, the Achali. Can I now have uh, the rest of the meal prepared? But the Eruv is gone. Did that now constitute for me the beginning of a meal which is now fully permitted? 
or did it begin the be, uh, did it begin a specific item which is permitted specifically? So Shohan Aruch, basing himself on Rosh again, weighs in on this issue in Siman Tafkov Chavzayin in Saif Yodzayin. I'll read it to you briefly. It says the following: Hitchil beisato v'neechal ha'eruv. That's our case. You began kneading, you began the bread, and the eruv is finished. Gomer ota isa. You can finish that dough. It means that we have a stringency over here. You're not allowed to finish the entire meal. You're allowed to finish only what you adin, only that which you began for this specific dish. So too, if you began to cook, you started the dish, not the dough, but the dish. Gomer specifically and only the tavshil that you began. Uh, the, the cooked item that you began. Uh, so that's in turn is the halakhala ma'aseh according to Shohan Aruch. Again, in this circumstance, you would probably then depend upon uh, the, uh, the uh, Rav Ha'ir. You'd figure this out, but interestingly, that's the circumstance. Before we move onward into a different zone uh, with regards to halakha and our pedic, I want to just briefly talk about uh, perhaps the most simple and unstated in our Gemara act with regards to preparing the Eruv Tavshilin. And that is the Biracha and the statement which is made when you prepare an Eruv Tavshilin. The Gemara has no mention of it, but if you ask the average person, that's all they know about it. They don't know any of these halachot. They know you open the prayer book and there's the Biracha. Oh, where does that Biracha come from? It's not mentioned in Gemara. We find it in the words of the Geonim, several generations, a few centuries after the time of the Gemara. Shohan Aruch and Siman Taf Kof Chavzayin, right there, that is the Siman, uh, what is that, 527, which deals with Eruv Tavshilin. Uh, his statement is, Mivarech al Misfat Eruv. You make a Biracha, Asher Kedishanu Misotav Sivanu, al Misfat Eruv. That's first and foremost. But after you finish making that Biracha, Similar to Bitul Hamet, you then make a statement which makes clear that you know what you're doing. After all, Eruv Tavshilin is all about the intent. It's not just a mitzvah. It's about what I realize I'm doing. I'm preparing this so that I can now on Yom Tov prepare for my Shabbat meal. If you don't have that realization, well then for all intents and purposes, you didn't accomplish anything. And as a result, continues Shohan Aruch and says, Ve'omer, you then say, Bidin. Bidin means with this. Yeheshar Elan, it should be permitted for us, Le'afuye, to bake, Ulevashule, and to cook, Ule'atmune, that means another type of cooking as we talked about through insulation, Ule'adluke Shiraga, and to light candles, Ule'me'ibad Kosorchana, and to do any of our needs that are necessary, Miyom Tob le Shabbat, from Yom Tob to, to Shabbat. The Hachamim kept their Berachot brief. We then defined what this mitzvah is doing. Then, when the Rav Ha'ir does it, he adds more. He says, Lana, for us, Uliploni, Uliploni, we could say for specific people, or Lechol B'nei Ha'ir Hazot, and for all the inhabitants of this city. Then Rama points out, and we do go this way, Lechumra, Mishenu Yodea B'lashon HaKodesh, uh, anyone who doesn't know Lashon HaKodesh, not really Lashon HaKodesh here, it's Aramaic. Lashon HaKodesh is Hebrew. In other words, if you don't understand what you're reading, you say it in whatever language you understand. Again, very reminiscent of, uh, reminds us of, Bitul Hametz, because that's the whole point. Bitul Hametz isn't just a mitzvah. It's effectuating a reality in your mind through your action and words, what's taking place. 
So too over here when it comes to Eruv Tafshilin, these are the necessary statements. What if you did it without making this statement? What if you did it and you didn't say, Bidin Eruva? So the poskim do deliberate, ultimately speaking, it's okay. But you should say this. It's important that you articulate not only but you continue and you explain what that Eruv really is doing for you. You do it as you rate, you pick up your Eruv Tafshilin after the cooked item is there. You make the statement and then you place it separately. Hacham Vadya Yosef does importantly as well add, I can't tell you that I'm uh, the greatest performer of this. He says in today's day and age where we have refrigeration, where we're able to preserve our foods, he says it's important and it's appropriate to take a fine food or foods as your preparation of Eruv Tafshilin. In other words, what he's encouraging is instead of just an egg, which, okay, I take something, he says, a basar yafeh or a dag yafeh. Again, in my home, uh, tradition, what can I tell you? We just do an egg and a matzah egg and, a, and, and some bread. He says, take a loaf of bread, take a beautiful pita. Again, ultimately speaking, what he's stating is you're doing a mitzvah, ideally, if it's able to be preserved and to be used appropriately, do it bihidur, so do it in the nicest fashion. How early can you do this? Yeah, okay, so we, so, so we know that you're supposed to do it on Erev Yom Tov before Shkiata Hama, ideally. You could do it all the way until sunset. No, I'm saying, now that in the refrigeration all that, maybe I should be able to have it two weeks before. Really yeah, the, 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 I got you. The logic, for, the logic in doing, the logic in doing. No, oh, the preparation can be done weeks in before. The eruv tafshilin, in other words, the specifics. Food doesn't matter. When you prepare the food, you can prepare. Absolutely. When I bought, when I use masa, I really do from time to time. Maybe almost always. The masa was cooked, uh, was baked uh, half a year ago, maybe a year ago. That's no problem. It's that I'm designating it now on the of Yom Tov. That's the ikar. It doesn't need to be cooked per se that day. What's that? Masa is so not throughout. That's fine. It's 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 ne'efah. It doesn't need to be hamotzi. It's fine. If you did the Eruv just like any mitzvah without the Berachah, it's sufficient. The question is if you did it without the declaration, because the declaration over here might be the Ikar, it's okay as well. Designate it as... Correct. Correct. A hundred percent. A hundred thousand percent. Again, Hacham Vadya Yosef would warn you, but if it's in your freezer, I imagine it is still good, he would say, but take food, that's, that's nice. 100%. We hold one cooked dish and one, um, one baked item. That's what Shohan Aruch told us based on Rabbeinu Tam. If you only did one cooked dish without a one baked item, it's sufficient as well. Because ultimately speaking, our Mishnah only told us that you need... That, again, uh, again, w- listen to our declaration again. Bidin Eruva, with this Eruv, it'll be permitted for us. Okay, so you have a baked item. Ulebashule, you have a cooked item. But we go on. It was the question Nathan asked there too. Do you have an insulated item prepared? Do you prepare a candle for your Eruv? We don't do any of those things. The only reason we do the afiyah, the only reason we do the, um, the baked item as well, as Rabbeinu Tam says, going back to the dirashah, Rabbi Li'ezer, and Daf Tetvav, 
et so we designate that afiyah should be present as well. But you don't need per se, certainly according to Shahan even a Benotam, what's that? It doesn't need to be eaten, we advise that it be eaten. It doesn't need to be eaten, it's fully sufficient. It shouldn't be eaten before you cook, obviously. It doesn't need to be eaten. Okay, but don't do so. All right, says the next Mishnah, very briefly, the next Mishnah, let's begin it. And uh, the next Mishnah, we'll talk about uh, the opposite of what we've been talking about until now. What I mean by that is instead of Yom Tov going into Shabbat, Thursday, Friday, Shabbat, it's rather Shabbat begins, and then we follow it by a day, two days, if you're in Chutzah, of Yom Tov. In that circumstance, we have the following um, dilemma. Uh, the Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Rashi cites it here at the very beginning of his commentary to this Mishnah, and Daftet Zayin might recall it. Rabbi Yitzhak has the following statement, Hayav Adam, a person is obligated, you're supposed to purify yourself before the holiday, before the festivals, more specifically. Harambam, in defining this mitzvah, explains the reason is you want to be pure prior to entering into the Mikdash. As a result, some suggest that this mitzvah is specifically, ironically, if you think about the way things people do these things today, before the three festivals, before Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, when you're going into the Mikdash, not before Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, you could do it for Teshuvah reasons. But the idea of being metaheret atzmo, immersing yourself in a mikveh, making certain that you're tahor, that you're pure before the holiday, really is before the Shalosh Regalim. Is this a relevant mitzvah today? Are you nervous if you haven't been to the mikveh before uh, Pesach, before Shavuot? First and foremost, we're all tamid today. But secondly, we're not going to the mikdash today. So in terms of even a rabbinic involvement with regards to this mitzvah, most Shagat, Arya, and others argue that this is no longer, it's not that it's not a beautiful thing to do, but it's no longer a relevant reality. Our Mishnah will be talking at a time and place where this was still a relevant reality. You wanted entering into the mo'ed to be pure. And as a result, you needed to immerse yourself. What's that? You're not going into the Mikdash every Shabbat. You're going to the Mikdash on the Regal. You're immersing because you're going into the Mikdash. It's on the Regalim, not on Shabbat. And so as a result, you have Shabbat going into the Regal, and the person wants to immerse themselves, A, and B, they want to immerse, they want Tahor, any of the utensils they have, because they need to be Tahor if they themselves purified their body. It's fantastic, but what about now the utensils? What about now their items that they'll be using? And in turn, putting food into their mouth from them, they want to purify those as well. But it's Shabbat, Right before Yom Tov, are they allowed? Well, what's the status? Can you immerse on Shabbat? Can you dip on Shabbat? What is the halacha? Says the Mishnah, ahar ha-shabbat. If Yom Tov, hal, it falls out after Shabbat. Bet Shammai omrim, matbilin et hakol milifne ha-shabbat. Bet Shammai make a very clear statement. Anything and everything which will be dipped, which will enter into the mikveh, which will bring forth its purity, needs to be done before Shabbat. There's no business of dipping, of purifying on Shabbat. Ubetilel omrim, kelim milifne Shabbat, ve'adam ba Shabbat. Betilel, in contrast, say, listen, when it comes to utensils, 
Those should be done. Those must be done before Shabbat. You'll have some issue. The Gemara will debate. What is the issue with immersing, with dipping utensils on Shabbat? Uh, we talked about this just a bit ago. One of the opinions we'll see in the Gemara, this is the one we mentioned, is tikkun is nirake mitakin. It's as if you're fixing it. That'll be one opinion. We'll have different approaches in the Gemara. But ultimately speaking, says Be'etileil, that's an issue with regards to utensils. With regards to yourself, no problem. You can go on Shabbat. That's so far the Mahlokin here in the Mishnah. Vishavin, says the Mishnah, however, there's no debate, no disagreement about the following halakha. Shemashikin et hamayim bikli'even letaharan. Avalomat bilin. However, they agree, both by Shamayim betilel, that you can perform what's called hashaka. Hashaka milashon nishika. Something's kissing the other. What are we kissing in this circumstance? Happens to be hashaka is a very relevant law with regards to the mikvaot that we use today, that women immerse in today. A hashaka, basically, uh, stated uh, simply, is the following idea. I have a kosher mikveh of, wa- of water. It's 40 se'ah, that's the measurement of rainwater. And then I want to bring other water in contact with it quote unquote, to kiss with the water in order to purify that other water. And so to speak, we imagine it as if by kissing one to the other, we've now transferred the purity from one to the other. That's the concept of hashaka. Again, with regards to our standardized mikvaot today, people sometimes wonder, but it hasn't rained for weeks. How is the kosher mikvah? If it is, it's disgusting. Honey, you're going into that? That's gross. Alternatively, it's gross anyway. They're not changing the water. How much rainwater could you really have saved up? The answer is we perform in an elaborate system what's called hashaka. We have the collected water, and then we have a system where we connect it, and uh, it's in the mikveh walls. There's connection to other water. We kiss them together. We then mix them. The statement in turn in our Mishnah is as follows. You have a utensil, imagine it a cup. The cup is made of ev, and the cup is made of something that's not mekabeltum, that's not tamer, that it itself doesn't need purity. But the, the water which is in it, I want to drink on the holiday. What am I going to do? Well, maybe just go get other water. Says Rashi, the mikveh has salt water. I don't want to drink that. So what I can do is, imagine this is the, sur- the base level, the surface level of the mikveh. I take my utensil, I dip it into the mikveh until it touches, the water touches the water of the mikveh. It kissed one another, the water of my cup to the water of the mikveh, the water of my cup which was tamed to the pure water of the mikveh. In such a circumstance, again, says our Mishnah, veshavin shemashikine tamah, if it's a, a, a utensil which is made of stone, it's not tameh, letaharan, avalo matbilin. But you can't take the whole utensil and dunk it under the water. In such a circumstance, I'd be effectuating, effectively, if I'm interested in doing so, the purity of the cup itself. Can't do that. Beit Hillel even told us that already. Lastly, umatbilin migav legav, umehabura lehabura. Those words are mysterious at this point. We don't know gav means back. Habura means a group. We don't know what it means. You go back to back and a group to a group. We'll talk about those words in the Gemara. Baruch Amen. Amen.